Charlie Bang. On the Empire Podcast this week, we visit Pizza Planet with the director of Toy Story 4, Josh Cooley. Plus, we get Stockholm Syndrome with the captors Numi Rapace. All that and more on the movie podcast that just tried to explain the concept of HP sauce to an international journalist and failed miserably. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. And welcome to the Empire Podcast. This week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning and I want to know what their condiment game is. I want to know what... I mean, how did you describe HP sauce? This is my favourite condiment. I'm a brown sauce aficionado. But fuck me, I couldn't tell you what's in it. Like, it's got vinegar in it, definitely. It's got brown stuff in it. No respecter of how podcasts work. <laughs> a man speaks before he's introduced. A, dis- you, you a disembodied asked, voice. You asked about condiment and games. I was just this about is to introduce you. Chat. This is how these things work. You wait until you're introduced, <sighs> oh and then you speak. That's how it works. Oh, I'll fuck you in the establishment. I'm rebelling. I wasn't even coming to you first. Fine. I was going to Helen O'Hara first. It's Helen O'Hara. Helen, tell us about your condiment game. Hello. Is your favourite condiment uh-huh. something to do with the Winchesters? Is it <laughs> is it secretions from the nipples that, that have ew. been what? No. Caught in a cup. How would that then, even? Don't even no. tell me how that would work. I don't want to know. You squeeze her nipples. No, I don't want to know. I told you I didn't want to know. You get. I don't think they're like a cat. As we, no, as we learned from Meet the Parents, you can milk basically anything with nipples, including the Winchesters. No, but that. I mean, because he kind of stumps him with his next question. I have <laughs> nipples, nipples, Greg. Greg. Could, Could you, you milk, milk me? me? <laughs> I just like. I, I feel the answer to that question is probably no for most men. Ergo, including the Winchesters. Do so men lactate? This has gone very Not strange, regularly. very fast. They do not. No, they're vestigial. They're vestigial? They're vestigial. Oh, my God. I believe. God, such a nippleist. I yeah. mean, am Freedom, I? He's the, the nipple, one who keeps, yeah. he's the the one who keeps bringing the them up. I don't, you know. I don't bring them up. Excuse me. Male nipples serve an incredibly valuable function. They let you know when you've waded too far out into the sea. <laughs> that is their sole purpose. Also, they let you know if the running top you've bought is chafing. Yeah. That's true. It's yeah. really important not to wear cotton, guys. Remember to get a sweat wicking fabric. Yes, a sweat. A John wicking fabric. If you can find a John wicking fabric, that's also cool. Yep. That's Literally also, cool. That is also cool. So, okay, so let's say that your favourite condiment is not secretion do Winchester. Thanks. Sauce Odin. No. What, what would it be? Um, I mean, a, a really boringly ketchup, probably, or mayonnaise. I don't like brown sauce, oh, I'm sorry. God. Oh, how can you not like brown sauce? Because it's. Yeah. Is your favourite supernatural themed dessert an Ackles cake? I get. I mean, I don't actually like Ackles cakes. I'm sorry, I ruined your joke. I just, you know, you did. But I like that you made it. You know, Thanks. you had the knowledge to make that joke, which yeah. I don't think Chris would have had. Well, you know? Ackles hey. cake. Fuck you. <laughs> Anyone else could Ackles cake? How, how dare you? How how dare you? Could you though point out Jensen Ackles in a lineup? Yes, I could. Are he, you sure? Wait. <laughs> no. Is he the one with the long hair? Is he? Is he though? That's, That's what I'm asking, what I'm asking you. you. No, I asked you first. Is he the long, the one with the long hair? See, I just think of him as nipples. I know. So I don't really look at their faces. <laughs> I just look at their glorious round nipples. QED, Your Honor. He's the one who's obsessed with Winchester nipples. Love why QED. are Why is this happening? Why, why is what happening? This entire conversation. Because of sauce of Winchester. Because I recommended HP uh. sauce to an international journalist and I said, it's great. It's the best thing ever. 
it's the best sauce ever. I think I made a tactical error. Hang on a second. I should probably introduce. So speaking for the first time in this podcast, <laughs> delighted to be joined by our West Wing specialist, uh, James Dyer. Hello, James. Welcome to the podcast. Now you may speak. Thanks. So how did you describe HP sauce Thanks, to, a, James. to a sauce noob? Well, I, I said it's the greatest thing ever. It's tangy, but it's slightly spicy and it transforms anything. And he was like, can you have it with salad? And I was like, no. Of course you can. I don't think you can. Yes, you can. No, no you can. This you thing can about have HP it in salad. You can have you it on have toast. You can have it in tea. You can have what? Basically but you everything. shouldn't. You should. You shouldn't. All things. Like, you wouldn't slather it on this microphone and have a go. I absolutely would. No, it's, uh, it's like Marmite. It's completely versatile. I don't, oh. Marmite's not versatile. No, oh, it, it is. This is it true. Is. You can drink Marmite. You can eat Marmite. You can smear it on things. You can spoon it out the jar. It's genius. And HP Sauce, I will have... There's, there's almost no food that could not be significantly improved with dollops of HP Sauce. I feel... I feel genuinely quite sick right now because I'm just I'm having real trouble with the, the image of HP sauce all over these microphones. It's just it's really disturbing. Amazing! Me. Like, I don't understand ketchup. Like ketchup is so insipid compared to the glory of brown sauce. Maybe some of us like the insipidness. Maybe you do. Ketchup is fine on burgers and enhances. I will have ketchup with a Nando's, but I will yeah, have weird usually well. HP sauce with everything else well Nando's doesn't offer HP sauce but anyway I was at a junket and for once just to pull back the curtain a little bit here UK junkets don't tend to feed their press feed the press they don't tend to do that they tend to (laughs) they tend to at best put on some biscuits biscuits if you're lucky I ask the occasional croissant occasionally a croissant but only if it's stale yeah Yeah. and if it's a prestige movie you might get a pan of chocolate you might oh at best. <laughs> the dizzy heights. But uh, this junket today, can I say what the, the junket was? Yes, I can. It was Spider-Man Far From Home. Ooh. Okay. And so as I was leaving the junket, having conducted my interviews, I popped into what we call the hospitality suite. Or was it, what, actually, don't even, I'm calling it that. I don't know what we call it. But anyway, it was a room and all the journalists were in there waiting for their slots. Uh, and um, then there was food, actual honest to goodness food. There was salmon, there was chicken, there were chips. Wow. That was it. And there was like a whole, tr- you know, like a tray full of, of sauces, ketchup and spicy sauce and stuff. Wow. And he, this journalist was holding up HP sauce, looking at it quizzically. And I think I made a tactical error because I said, it's tangy, it's spicy, it's great, it enhances anything. I would not have it in salad dough, don't be weird. But I did say, do you know A1 steak sauce? Because my thing was, it's so much better than A1 steak sauce. But I think just a mere mention of A1 steak sauce turned him off. So he went, no, I'm good. And he oh, put it I'm with him. That's, that's what an the hell is A1 idea. steak sauce? It's, uh, it's like shit HP, but for ah, the States. Good to know. I see. Good to know. Um, All right. Okay, good story, good. Hansel. Happy days are here again. And, HP, of um, course, standing for Houses of Parliament. Mm. Even though, isn't it like made in another country? Like, I don't think it's, it's... Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember where. I yeah. think it's no, in Holland. Holland, Holland yeah. Dutch. Yeah. Dutch. It's going to be great. It wasn't always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. Maybe they'll have to stop making it in the House. Here's a question. Oh, in the Houses of Parliament, do they have HP sauce on everything? Because you'd think they'd have to. Like, there could be no ketchup. It's like on brand, isn't it? Like They should have HP sauce yep. with everything. They have it on chips. They have it on the dreams of the poor that they... Let them eat HP sauce. They have it on their massively subsidised <laughs> champagne menu. Um, oh, HP champagne. Yeah. Have you, have you no. ever had Marmite spaghetti? Again, no. I made Marmite spaghetti once. Oh, it was great. I just, I just, I'm saying it's so versatile. You just get spaghetti, loads of butter, some olive oil, and a ton of marmite in it, and you get tangy, spicy, savoury. You know what? Marmite's not spicy. 
Well, no, but it's, it's, it's savoury. It's like, it's, it has it's a tang to it. Umami, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, umami mm. It's all about the umami. But I was watching the chef show last night, uh, the episode where he makes the... Uh, the ugly Olio. I haven't seen it yet. No spoilers, please. Oh I, my god, it's it's the one he makes at the beginning of the movie Chef. Oh, the one that seduces Scarlett Johansson. Yes, and I was like, I was like watching this and thinking, you know, <laughs> people say it's unrealistic that John Favreau in that movie seduced Scarlett Johansson, and I'm like, have you seen the pasta? Yeah, look at that pasta. That's not unrealistic. That's a hundred percent believable. Anyway, anyway, let's have a question. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> The question this week comes from at elbows underscore selbo. They have basically set us a challenge. It's not a question. So okay. we're going to race through this as quick okay. as possible because someone, one of, one of the divas in this room has a hard out. Mm. Covered in HP sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and the question is, so this week it was revealed, in fact it wasn't even this week, a couple of weeks ago it was revealed that Marvel are courting Keanu Reeves uh, from the Eternals. Whoa. And uh, Kevin Feige has said that they approach Keanu Reeves for almost every film we make. Mm -hmm. So Elbow Selbo has said, recast one character in every MCU film with Keanu Reeves. Okay. Now we have 23 films, and we yep. do not want this to go on <laughs> for more than 45 to 50 minutes. <laughs> so we have to be very, very quick if about we this. Get, if we get stuck on any of them, he just takes the Stan Lee cameo. Yeah. With the greatest oh, of respect. that's a cop-out. If we get that stuck, I'm just saying. such a cop-out. All right, fine. All right, here we go. Okay. Iron Man. Happy Hogan. No. Okay. Colson. Colson. Imagine him saying shield. Okay, I'm there. Just imagine I'm it. there. I've done yeah. it. Yeah. Except he doesn't say shield, does he? Pepper Potts. Pepper Pot. No. All right, I'm saying Colson. You're saying happy. Go, James. Uh, I can't remember his name, but the head, the head terrorist in the cave. What was his name? Oh, the captain of the Kelvin. <laughs> yes, the captain of the Kelvin. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No one remembers his name from that man. Exactly no, who I mean, the captain of the Kelvin. The captain uh, of the Kelvin. Yes, him. Interesting, because he's a one and done. See, I've introduced Coulson now, and now he's in a whole bunch of. Yeah, movies. but then you're you're consigning him to many many seasons of Agents of Shield, and I think that's just harsh. Hey, that's quite good actually these days. And of course, we mean Veranda here as Raza. That's of it. course, Raza. Of course. Yeah. All right. Okay. The Incredible Hulk, go. Uh, Tim Roth. No. Yeah. The Abomination. Yeah. Oh, Tim Roth would be, that'd be good. Because, yeah, because yeah. yeah. he, he would be believable, wouldn't he? Would. He, mm. he yeah. would be believable. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'd also accept him as Dr. Samuel Stearns. Although, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'd have Bruce him Banner? as the <laughs> yes. character that Michael K. Williams plays, where he wanders out onto screen, looks up, and then cuts away from him. You never hear from him or see him again. <laughs> never understood why Omar from The Wire is in that film for no reason, but there he is. All right. All right. Iron Man 2. Um, Justin Hammer. He, in, yes. in always be my yes. maybe mode, you know, in really obnoxious kind of dancing around the place, perfect him. suit no, mode. He's not going to be whiplash, is he? Why not? No. No. Why not? No, no, he's no. too good for whiplash. Keanu Reeves, whiplash. if there's one thing we know about Keanu Reeves, is that he's good at accents. He All right, can so, do a bit of Russian, that's true. Yeah? Mm. Can he? Yeah, and John Wick. Oh, is that what it is? I think so. <laughs> okay. Let's go with that. Well, he is Belarusian, isn't yeah, he? He is. Yeah. He is, yeah. yeah mm, mm. No, I, I, think, I think whiplash or... The strawberry fender who sells Tony Stark some strawberries at the end. Oh, oh, oh. Howard Stark. Boom. Yeah, no, that Thank does actually you. work. I did think of that earlier and God, then I forgot again. I'm nailing this. Okay. Mm. Right. Film number four. Thor. Correct. Heimdall. Mm, yeah, okay. I, I mean, yeah, knows everything, yeah. kind of a bit otherworldly. Come yeah. on. I'd, I'd, I'd put him as one of the Warriors three. Not, not, not you know, Falstag, right. but maybe Fandral. Huh. But then also, you know, bump up the role. 
Yeah, you'd have to bump up the okay. room. Yep, okay, yep, I'm happy to accept both of those. Uh, number five is Captain America, the first Avenger, the 17th greatest MCU film. How dare you, uh, sir? That's, <laughs> which character would he be in that? Stanley Tucci, Dr. No. Erskine. Bucky Barnes. Howard, Howard Stark. Stark. Bucky Barnes. <laughs> be older Howard Stark and younger Howard Stark, and it will work because he hasn't aged a day in 35 years. <laughs> That's fair. There you go. Nailing this. This is but amazing. But Bucky would actually work because then he has the hair already yeah, right? for the Winter Soldier. Exactly. Well, he'd have to cut it. It's World War II. He'd have to, like, you get have, it. He'd have, he couldn't don't don't touch he's a, he's the hair. Have you seen Speed? Yeah, it is really good, actually, in that. Hmm. Yeah, he's got, like a, he's got, like, a buzz cut. Yeah, that, he works he? it. The Avengers. Well, All um, of them. <laughs> All of the Avengers. The whole team. <laughs> and the Space Gem. I mean, Coulson would work again, I guess. Yeah, Coulson would be yeah. good. It'd be a, a, a big role without taking the any. Guy he, playing Gallagher? But it's just, it's just like Christian Slater in, in uh, Star in Trek. In Star Trek, yeah, yeah. Uh, Undiscovered Six. Country. Undiscovered Country, yeah. yeah. So he's just like, was that Keanu Reeves? Yeah. And, then, yeah, Keanu and it Reeves. was. But All right, that man's playing Gallagher, and then you go, whoa, <laughs> as he gets a high score. All right, Iron Man 3. There's a lot of choice in Iron Man 3, by the way. It is, yeah. Killian, I guess. Killian. That's a good mm. shout. So you're casting... You're, I you're like going, him as you're, a villain. You're going bigger than, yeah. than I am for the most part. Yeah, I, I know, I, yeah. He's a very versatile actor. I'm going to say the boy. <laughs> the boy? Yeah. <laughs> Who was at, um, yeah. in that scene in Endgame. Yeah. And whose name... Is, I've already forgotten. Is, is, Harley. Is young, Harley. Young boy. Young boy. You there. <laughs> you there. Young, young boy. boy. <laughs> All right. That's him. What day is this? Or he could have been like the chief, the chief uh, glowy henchman. Yeah, James Badgedale's glowy henchman. Mm-hmm. Uh, dark World. Yes, Thor the Dark World. I forgot. Which uh, we forgot last time we said Yes, we did. <laughs> Thor the Dark World. Who would he be in Thor the Dark World? I think he would be... Loki. Um, Loki. He would be Loki. That's <laughs> no, he'd be Darcy's intern. What's his name? Kevin Ian. the intern. Whatever. Ian. Ian the yeah. intern. Ian he'd be the Ian intern. the intern. I mean, I still, I, was still, I still stick by Heimdall, but okay. Don't forget, of course, you're casting Keanu Reeves here. You're taking the person out of the MCU. You so can't. The person who was so indelible in Thor The Dark World as Ian the intern... You know, you know, I don't even need to do this. You don't need to tell me. His performance has been wiped out. So just yeah. think... That would be long and hard yeah. about that, okay? Mm. Because obviously that provided a huge fillip to that person's career. Captain yeah. America, the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, go. Well, I've already said I wanted to be Bucky Barnes, so yeah. that's done. He has the hair for it yeah. and just the smolder. Yeah, he is the Winter Soldier. I'm trying to think very, very quickly if there are any other characters in that. The specimen guy, maybe. Mm. I mean, he could be one of the World specimen. Council leaders, he I guess. Be. But then yeah. you take uh, Alan from Neighbours. No. I'm Jim from Neighbours. Jim from Neighbours. But his, his name is Alan, Alan Dale, right? yeah. Alan, Alan Dale, Dale yeah. yeah. All right, no, let's leave him as uh, Bucky Barnes. Okay. Mm. All right, mm. fair enough. Mm. Then we have Guardians of the Galaxy. Who would he be in Guardians of the Galaxy? Could he have Sean Gunn's role? Londo. What? You want him to get on his knees as... No, the other is Sean Gunn role. Oh, right. He's Londo. Londo. Yondu. Londo? Why am I saying Londo? Fondue Londo. What the hell is Londo? Cheese, my fondue. Friend. It's fondue. Fondue Londo. Uh, yes, Yondu. Do, do you fondue? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I'm very tired. I've had a lot of HP sauce. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so he's playing Lobot in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think we've decided that. Um, let's move on then very, very swiftly to Age Avengers of Age of Ultron. Ultron. Yeah. Ultron. Ultron. It'd be a great Ultron, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's happy with that. Um, then we have... No strings on me, dude. <laughs> Ant-Man. David Dustmalchian. <laughs> no, you can't take Kurt away from David no. Dustmalchian. Okay. I want to see him doing Michael Pena's uh, recaps. But they'd be so, so so much slower. Oh, but they'd be amazing. They would be amazing. They'd be amazing. No, no, Michael Pena's indelible. 
in that role. It would have to be the Martin Donovan role, the slippery, shady shield oh, fella. It's very small, though. It is a very small mm. role, but I don't. There's not really a lot else. Yeah, oh, the I bad guess. guy, Darren Cross. Or, or we could go back to Howard Stark. We could go back to Howard Stark. He is Howard Stark. He is Howard and Stark. And Bucky Barnes. And we've established <laughs> So super right. Moving on. <laughs> All right. Okay. So Ant-Man is then followed by Captain America Civil War. It is. All right. So who's he playing in Captain America Civil War? Dr. Gozi Agbo, who is found dead. No. <laughs> no? Okay. No. Zemo, huh. right? Zemo? He'd be, he'd be good Zemo. Yeah. If yeah. we're not having him, obviously, as the Winter Soldier again. Oh, that's right. Well, he is Bucky Barnes. Okay. Yeah. That, that's Spider-Man. Himself. He'd be Spider-Man. What? I'm casting him as Spider-Man. You I mean, I'm as we have established, he doesn't age. He could be 16, no problem. No, no, no. but like he ha- he doesn't age since the age of about 25. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't look 16. Well, look, they use CGI to make him Bill and Ted age, and he'd be like Bill and Ted Spider-Man. It'd be amazing. I mean, that would be delightful. But no, no, no. I refuse. No, it's done. Shield dude. It's done. It's done. No, it's not Excellent. done. Excellent. It's not done. It is. It is. He is Bucky Barnes. No way. That... <laughs> yes way. Oh, God. Uh, all right. So then following Captain America Civil War, there was, wait, don't, don't, no, no, Helen, it's, I, I can get this, I can get this. Wait, no, there was Civil War and then there was another film. And it was Doctor Strange. Okay, thank you. Doctor Strange. Oh, the ancient one, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, definitely the ancient one. The ancient one. Yeah, not even yeah, a question. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm, I genuinely... Wasn't this the one where he was actually rumoured to have been offered Doctor Strange? Was that not a rumour? Well, I, I think we've established he was offered every single yeah. role Marvel have ever done. But genuinely, done, so. either Doctor Strange or the ancient one would be super good. Why wouldn't he have taken Doctor Strange? Maybe he was busy at the time. We don't know. The stuff he's made. I think there was a lake house convention. He was probably busy. <laughs> he got the letter two weeks after <laughs> yeah. his mentor. Anyway, oh, um, lake house humor. This is a deep cut. Um, Spider-Man. No, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Who would he play in that? Space Floozy. Space Floozy. Space Floozy. Yeah. All Space Floozies played by Keanu Reeves. Sean Gunnigan. I mean, fair. yeah, Craglin. 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 That's the name. That's the name of that character. Uh, but then you're taking away Sean Gunn, and he's very good in that well, role. Well, no, but he, he also has worked to do his rocket. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. The teacher. Which one? There's like a, set I, a school hill in it. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> not, not the headmaster who's played by the grandson of one of the Highland Commandos. Um, Martin Starr? Mr. Harrington? Maybe. Yeah, Martin Starr. The one who goes... The one who takes them I to didn't the... Want to lose, I didn't want to lose <laughs> not a again. kid. Not again. Yes, all right. Yes, that's good. But again, you're taking away my stars. I know, stars. I know. He is you're very good. You're taking bread of his table. Oh. James? I've already said he's Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm not backing down from that. It's done. It's done. It's cast. It's, it's finished. Done. All right. Thor Ragnarok. He'd be a good games master, even though I would never he want would to lose be, Jeff Goldblum. Mm, it's not a bad show. Yeah. Valkyrie, I'm saying. <laughs> he's yeah. got range. I think he has he got range. He does have range. He'd rock it. Good answer. Next film. Next film. Black Carl, Panther. Carl Urban? No, okay. Yes, Black Panther. I mean, there's a wealth of roles to choose from here. It's Martin Freeman's really, isn't it's it? It's Martin Freeman. <laughs> yeah, he's Martin Freeman. So that means he has to play him in several roles. He has to well. play the. Well, he actually, it actually means he has to go back and take over a role in The Hobbit so we can keep making the Tolkien white guy jokes. It's, uh, it's going to be tough. But, that's good. Yeah. So hang on. I now have Keanu Reeves in the Captain America Civil War playing <laughs> Bucky Barnes, yes. Spider Man, yes. and Everett Ross. Correct. Yeah, okay. That's fine. All right. <laughs> I don't see any problem with this. Uh, His Aven- beard would be at a slightly different length in each in each role. Avengers Infinity War. Thanos. <laughs> He's absolutely Thanos. Dreaded. Run from it. You know, that'd be Dude's cool. Dudes arrive just the same. Like I could wipe out half the universe with like 
a click of my fingers, dude. It'd be at the end do. where yeah. like he gets the last gem. I don't know why he's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. But. He gets the last gem and he's about to do it and everyone goes, no way! And he goes, yes, yes way! <laughs> Snap! And then... <laughs> Yeah. He does a little air guitar and then snaps his fingers. This is done. This is genius. I can't believe this didn't happen. All right. Okay. Wow. All right. What so, we lost? Thanos. Wow. Thanos. Um, and then after, have I ever forgotten all these films? This should be ingrained in my head. It was, no, don't help me, Helen. Don't help me. <laughs> Avengers Infinity War was followed that year by Ant-Man and the Wasp, my favorite MCU yeah. film. I mean, since wow. nobody really cares about that film, it really doesn't matter. You son so, of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm with him. Yeah. You, you, daughter of a daughter. Of a, no, no, we're getting into problematic territory here. Yeah. yeah, okay. Oh, I, I genuinely. Um, Walton uh, Goggins. Walton Goggins. Yeah, it'd have to be Walton Goggins. Yes, any, yeah. any, anyone. I love. Who, of course, Goggins, played anyone else. Sunny Birch. Oh my God! How do you know this stuff? Why You're like would the you know lawnmower this? man? <laughs> Why would you know this stuff? I honestly, if one of you collapsed the ground right now, I wouldn't know how to administer CPR. But I do know that Walton Goggins played Sonny Birch in Ant Man and the Wasp. Well, but that as, makes me feel safe. As the only human being alive who's watched it more than once, I guess you would know this. <laughs> Captain Marvel, mm. one of the Skrulls, the main Skrull, Skrull Man. What was his name? Taylor's. Uh, that's it. No, because then you lose Ben Mendelsohn's one. Yeah, but they, you, they, you replace it with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, but you free up Ben Mendelsohn to do like literally any role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is not a bad thing either. But he's so good as Talos. Sure, but also Keanu. Mm. But what would Keanu bring to Talos? Keanu could play, and this is this is controversial. He could play the cat as Keanu the <gasps> cat. Oh he my! Could. And it becomes super meta. Oh my that god! That is super meta. But wait, Keanu the kitten was actually cursed with a, a disease, which meant it would always be a kitten. Well, no, that's because it was a flurkin. Oh. Mm. Yes, and on the eleventh hour of the Empire podcast, <laughs> we finally reach the end of that particular question. No, we haven't. Oh God, not even close. Avengers Endgame. It's <sighs> still Thanos. He's not. He's not stopped being Thanos. All right, last one. I know, Helen. You. La, 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 la. Spider-Man: Far From Home. <gasps> he's Spider-Man he's Spider-Man we've established that yeah. he's Spider-Man alright okay there you go okay. Keanu Reeves recast in every single Marvel Cinematic Universe and thank you to the four people who stayed with us through that little segment <laughs> if you want to have your question read out in the Emperor Podcast as elbows at underscore Selbo found out to his and everyone's cost you can get in touch find a number of methods we're on Twitter as at Emperor Magazine you can use the hashtag Emperor Podcast or chances are we won't see it you can Facebook us as well although I don't know if nobody ever does. We just never check it. And then there's the email <laughs> podcast at Empire. I'm really selling it, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Then there's the email podcast at empireonline.com. Just use Twitter. For the love of God, just use Twitter. I mean, that would be probably the best. It's the only way your question will ever be seen. Let's it's be the best way to go. It's the it? only way to it's go. It's the best way to go. All right. So while we're here very, very quickly talking about plugs and plugging things, uh, this hasn't turned into mm. a sex podcast. Good don't Lord. worry. Easy. Easy mm-hmm. now. Easy Tigers. HP Sauce at the ready. HP Sauce at the ready. We're about to plug some shit. Um, couple of uh, couple of announcements coming your way. We're doing a live show. How exciting. Are we? Oh, we yes, are. we are. Did you not know this? No. Yes. Nobody tells me none. No, I we are. This. I told you this. You, you, know, you know about this one at the London Podcast Festival. We're headlining. Oh, you know, yes. yes. You know about oh, I know one. about this. This isn't, okay. like, this isn't like last yeah, week when last I said, week. hey, we're going to do a live podcast next Saturday. And you went, what? And I went... Oh, yeah. you're not free? And you went, no. And you went, you're not free. And I went, okay, we're not doing yeah, a live no, podcast on Saturday. One. So 
So, uh, listeners, you don't know how close you came. Yeah. You don't know how close you came to a live podcast this week, uh, which reminds me I should check with people. So anyway, we're doing a live podcast at the London Podcast Festival once again. It's on this year in September at King's Place London, our spiritual home. They asked us back once again, and we're going to be doing a live show on September 14th. That's Saturday, September 14th. Yeah. And we're going to be doing a 9.30 to 11 p.m. slot. Now, James this week described this as the graveyard slot. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as we're headlining Glastonbury and we're Foo Fighters. So everyone yeah. else is the other bands and we're Ed Sheeran. Can I just say, by the way, I'm going to Glastonbury. I'm working on the film tent. Uh, apart from anything else, we have a screening of yesterday. We're going to have a quiz party weirdness thing. You, got a so you should yesterday. definitely come along to that. Yeah. How many of you are plugging your tawdry little tent while it's we're not, talking about the highlight of the London Podcast Festival? Yeah, we are I mean, Glastonbury. I mean, you are just part of Glastonbury. Yeah. We are Glastonbury. I mean, I'm part of that too. So like, it's, you know. Oh, that's true. But if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough. Yeah. The night before, on Friday, oh, the 13th of September, oh, is the Lord. inaugural oh. live Pilot TV podcast, also at the London Inaug- Film Festival. Inaugural is a very dangerous word for you to use because <laughs> it presupposes there will be a second. Yeah, well, that's true. You know. But so, yes, yeah, so uh, tickets are now on the ticket. Uh, it's reserved <laughs> under the name of Keith. Uh, it's at the desk now. Uh, the, the ticket is available for Friday the 13th, London Podcast Festival, also Don't at 9.30 p.m. Lucky for everyone in the audience. <laughs> yes, also at 9.30 p.m. Uh, the night before. So think of it as a warm-up act. We are, in many ways, like the fluffer for the Empire podcast, which happens the day after. Indeed. Golly. So, if you want to see us and the other podcasts, and there's loads of amazing podcasts at the London Podcast Festival, once again, they're doing a thing where you buy three tickets to three shows or more, you get a 15% discount. So go to kingsplace.co.uk and check out the uh, lineup there. It's incredible. It runs over two weekends mm. this September. But do come and see us. Do come and see us. Cannot stress that enough. We're doing 9.30pm. We know that's late, but we're going to have a lot of fun. It's worth it. It is going to be worth it. On both I, nights. I, I well, promise you. Let not, let's not promise it'll be worth it. It might yeah. be worth it. We hope, we it'll, hope be it'll be worth it. <laughs> There's a possibility it could be worth it. Yeah. That's, that seems fair. Mm. All right. So do that. Kingsplace.co.uk. The other thing I want to talk about is that you can have the Empire podcast recorded in your house or your office or your school, or wherever it is you want us to come and record an episode of the Empire Podcast. As long as it's not a sex dungeon. Well, actually, no, I specify sex dungeons. Like Helen's got one in Glastonbury. That's what your tent is, right? <laughs> Again, it's Helen's a sex giant tent. tent. Yeah, tent. a giant sex tent. Giant, giant tent. cinema tent. Under the ground. Above ground level. The sex tent. I mean, Glastonbury, <laughs> famous for mud, so I would devoutly hope it's wow. still above ground level by the time we finish. Sex mud. All right. I, again, I just, really? Oh... Anyway, you can have the Empire Podcast recorded in your house and all you have to do to do that is win an auction. Uh, we are putting that up as a lot at a really fantastic, worthy auction for Team Monk. A colleague of ours, Lauren Holyoke, uh, her husband has stage four bowel cancer and they're trying to raise, we're trying to raise a lot of money to fund treatment and prolong his life. And there are all sorts of incredible lots in this auction, one of which is a chance to have us giggling idiots come to your place of work or leisure anywhere in Great Britain as long as you win with a bid. So there you go. All you have to do is go to www.32auctions.com forward slash auction of awesomeness and awesomeness is spelled A-W-S-O-M-E-N-E-S-S so just be careful as awesomeness is misspelled slightly in the URL. So yeah, we would love to record our podcast in your 
house, and we would love to see you on September 14th. Right, plugs over. And 13th. And we, one of us would like to see you on <laughs> September 13th. Let's get on now with our first guest. And our first guest this week is a wonderful Swedish actor, Swedish slash Icelandic, now slash British as well, I guess, because she lives over here, as I discovered, having chatted to her. She is, of course, Numi Rapace, and she can be found this week in The Captor, opposite Ethan Hawke and the tale of the bank hostage crisis that led to the coining of the term Stockholm Syndrome. Ooh. Yeah. Do we know why it's called The Captor over here? And not and Stockholm. Not Stockholm. No, I Which imagine, seems like a good name for the film. I imagine they thought that Stockholm was not a good name. Why? Because it doesn't really suggest banks and No, but it's about hostages. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't suggest explosions and sex and But where, So where is it Stockholm? Is it Stockholm everywhere but the UK? I don't know. Okay. All right. Do you think it's Thanks. a Brexit thing? Yes. That's, we won't have the name of these foreign cities in our... I don't know. You're quite possibly. Quite possibly. Anyway, it's called The Captor over here. And uh, then we came into this very room this morning and sat in that very seat where Helen has parked her laptop and we had a great old natter about a great many things. Had a lot of fun with this one. You know what, guys? I hope you do too. Here's Numi Rapace. Enjoy. We are delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast by the star of the captor, Numi Rapace. How are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. Yeah. We were just chatting about London. your London life. <laughs> yeah, so how much we love London and, and that London can't get, you know, they, they have you and <laughs> they will never lose you. Yes, uh, I yes. Lo- yeah, yeah, I love London. <laughs> Fantastic. What made you fall in love with London? Um, I think it's such a mix of people. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but it feels like it's such a... Um, in my house, I have people that come from all kind of different backgrounds, different religions, different skin colors, different, you know, loud, quiet. It's, it's, it's a melting <laughs> pot of madness. <laughs> and I feel like London is, is just a very universal, it's a world city. And yeah. I love that it's, it's a boiling pot of creativity yeah. and madness. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I felt when uh, I first arrived. Yeah, and just... I, love, I love a bit of madness. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, But also, to be honest, like, I find it intelligent and I find people to be kind, you know. Mm-hmm. I like um, just, you know, walking home if you've been out. You know, people are nice to you. Yeah. Taxi drivers are nice, you know. I didn't grow up in a nice country. Like, Swedes... I mean, my assistant is sitting here. She's Swedish too. Um, and, 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 you know, we're talking about like there's something Swedish people are very um, polite, but they're not like they don't. Reserved. Yeah, they're reserved. They guarded. don't talk to you. Yeah. They never call you love. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> my first time my mom came to London, she was stopped at the airport and they searched her bag, uh-huh. but they called her sugar. And she was like, <laughs> she came to my house and she was like, oh, my God, I love this country. <laughs> And yeah. now she insists upon having her bag searched every time yeah. she comes into the yes, airport. she wants to be called love. Call me sugar and love. <laughs> so you've, you've had the full London taxi driver experience. Have yeah. you? Uh, d- does what you do come up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do recognise me sometimes. Mm-hmm. So the funniest thing was that once there was a guy who was like, oh, you do remind me so much of this actress. I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, she's, but but she's pretty and prettier than you. Oh, <laughs> and what? I was like, yeah. And I was what? like, oh, that's so, that's so cool. What's Stop the name? car, and he sir. he was like, no, no, it was... It was uh, <laughs> He really, it was, it was hilarious. One of my favourite conversations. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Um, one thing I haven't done mm-hmm. in London yeah. at all, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Like I live in Greenwich. I have all this great stuff on my doorstep. Uh, I haven't done the touristy things. Me neither. We're okay. 
Well, that's we that's maybe we should go maybe we should together, go, you and me. <laughs> we, we do in this afternoon. Let's check out Buckingham Palace. I think the Queen might be in. Okay, got to go to Paris. <laughs> Damn it. There's always an excuse. There's always an yeah. excuse. No, honestly, like, I really, I don't know. I don't like big crowds, and I definitely don't like those tourist things. Okay, so you have never gone on the, uh, the that sort of double-decker bus that takes you around the city? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're missing out, I think. I, you think? I think. Well, I, I, I'm I'm curious to see what you report back to me. I do it in other cities. I do it in other cities. You do? I don't, yeah. actually. I, 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 my, my best tourist thing is like, you know, if, if I come to a city, I want to get to, I want to get drunk with the locals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> go deep and go dark. <laughs> no, but like, I feel like those tourist things is like very rarely they reflect on, on, on the city and what's mm-hmm. really, I mean, I like the real bus. I, w- I want to get to know um, I was with Crepton Conan last night. Okay. We went to this uh, Dior summer party at oh, wow, TVNA. Yeah. And we were talking about um, the music scene. And, and, you know, I'm a big hip hop and, and rap fan. And I always like to discover new artists. So, you know, that's something I do when I come to a city. Instead of going to the tourist, you know, things, uh, attractions, I, 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 I dig into the to the rap scene. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I was when I was on press tour for um, for Bright with, uh-huh. with um, Will um, and... and um, Joel Edgerton, you know, we were talking about it and I was like, I found this like amazing Japanese rapper called Ko. And I was like trying, desperately trying to invite him to our party because he was so fucking cool. That's, so that's what I do instead of tourist stuff. That is amazing. So you're, yeah. you're turning Will Smith onto different rappers. Yeah. That's yeah, we do send music to each other, actually. Yeah. yeah. He once said that my music taste makes Snoop Dogg blush. Because <laughs> it's so dark. It's like proper. I like like Jamaican it's like I, I, I yeah it's quite sexual sometimes oh really yeah, sexual yeah. and dark yeah, but well, welcome not, to the Empire yeah, podcast yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean full on you know when you start listening to the lyrics I was like I was sending music I, was, I, was, I found this song and I loved it I was shooting a movie in Toronto and I was like listening super loud in the trailer every morning and, and I was sending it to my friends a couple of them male friends and then one of my girls in the trailer she's, she was Jamaican she's like yo know me have you been listening to the lyrics? I was like, nah. <laughs> She's like, maybe you should take a look. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm going to fuck you like a number one. Nobody oh, needs okay. to know. You know right. I'm going to ride on your big ding dong. It's oh, like, right. Yeah. It's like full yeah. on. And I was like, oh, no, I just send this to Idris Elba. <laughs> and I was like, this is so wrong. He's like, what's the hidden message <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah. I was like, ah, um, uh, remember, I'm Swedish. It's not my first language. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, you mentioned there that yeah, English, you know, is not your first language. And in fact, you didn't really speak English at all until a few years ago. No, yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah, that blows my mind because you speak better English than I do, for, for one That's thing. so not true. But How I'm did a you quick learner, absorb? you know, I, I surviving, I guess. You know, I, I grew up uh, on a farm, far from everything. Um, not really any um, education, no books at home, no mm-hmm. newspapers, no TV, no radio. It was quite stripped down. Um, so basically when I left when I was 15, when I came to Stockholm for the first time, I've never been in an escalator. I hard, I could hardly read and write. To be, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, that's the truth. So my Swedish is worse than my English, to be honest. Because I, I think, you know, when I moved to London, I didn't really speak English. But then I like myself here and I think... As soon as you feel like you like who you become in a place, you know, it just starts flowing in you. And I think it's all about 
when you relax and you then you can take in information and you you know I'm like a little sponge you know I <laughs> I I'm, I'm I adapt quickly and I learn fast because I kind of feel like you know then no one else is going to do it and and yeah. it's always and also you know I had to I've been on my own since I was really young so you know you just survival you know you need to you're like a little animal that shifts color you know depending on <laughs> what your background is <laughs> what language do you think in uh, English English yeah I was doing interviews in Swedish um I was in New York had a, had a press day and I did phoners with Scandinavian press and it was really hard for me uh, which is a bit stupid, but we do speak English at home now. I live with my son mm-hmm. and my sister and my sister's boyfriend, and my sister's boyfriend is from London. Yeah. So when he moved in, my son was like, we can't speak Swedish no more. Like, Lamar's here, you know, we've got to speak English. <laughs> Otherwise, it's rude. So we just, like all of us, we just speak English. So it's, yeah. But I did that shift when I was seven, when I moved from Sweden to Iceland. Yeah. I, I just switched to Icelandic, and then I didn't speak Swedish for two years. And, you know, so I think, you know, something my brain did in a very early age and now I've done it again and with, the, and with this movie The Captor mm. is out this week mm. uh, you are playing Swedish again but sw- yeah. Swedish and English yeah. was that, was that yeah. weird at all it was a bit weird and I was like you know I was sitting with Ethan Hawke in his trailer you know and he was like how do you say <laughs> you know the city name and he was like we were practicing Swedish actually and yeah. it was hilarious because it's, it's always the other way around right <laughs> you know, <laughs> you think, you know yeah, yeah. Swedes trying to get rid of their accents and stuff like that but no he was um but it's based on the Swedish. It was. It's. It's based on this New York. This article in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. So it's not like straight after the real events, but it's based on this. This. Um, those like five six days happened in a bag vault in Stockholm, nineteen seventy three, and and it was something I grew up uh, knowing, hearing about. You know, yeah. and I was very fascinated about it because the fact that you know, you know, I, I remember when I was maybe fourteen, fifteen, I was like, how can you fall in love with someone who's like keeping you against your own will like how I was it was the thing we were talking about in school so when they sent me the script I totally fell in love with the story and I've been I wanted to work with Ethan so it was a mm. no brainer yeah because this is the uh, this is the actual case that that originated the mm. term Stockholm Syndrome, yes. which is something I think we, we, we all know what that is. We've exactly. all grown up mm. uh, with that concept in our, in mm. our lives. So that, it, it's fascinating to see it explored in this film. In, um, and you, I guess it's the pressure cooker of the situation mm. as well. And yeah. maybe these, these you know, two people, your mm. character and Ethan's character, are thrown together. He's, uh, you don't know he's, if you're going to live tomorrow. You yeah. know? And I think you know, when you are in, in in a very extreme situation, all your senses gets like awakened and wide awake and like open, right? Mm. And, you know, you hear about people having sex, you know, mm. under war, when it's a war going on, yeah, yeah. when you think you, you know, you might die tomorrow or next Live hour. Live for the now. Yeah and, yeah, I, and I also think it's my character, you know, when we start the film, she's quite a, a little bit of a grey mouse, you know, she's a, she works in the bank, she has her life, she has two kids, her husband, you know, eight to five job, it's all the same every day. And then all of a sudden, you know, this <laughs> madman, <laughs> a charming madman, um, uh, you know, kind of explodes into her life and she wakes up sort of you know so even though she's held against her will she she i also think he wakes her up and all of a sudden you know she starts seeing things from a different angle and she's on the phone with the prime minister saying (laughs) you know i want to stay here (laughs) they're not that bad those robbers you know yeah so it's also it's 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 quite interesting because she's 
she's strong at the same time and she falls for him. Yeah. So it's it's a very complex character and I, I, I very much, I was very fond of her. The film doesn't exactly skirt around that. I mean, I, mm. I, you know, not to get too spoilerific, but there is a, a, a physical scene between you and Ethan, yeah. uh, your, your characters, and that's... Yeah, they found semen in the bank vault Did on the they? floor. Yes. Real, didn't yeah. say that on the Wikipedia page. Nope. <laughs> didn't, I did my research. <laughs> yeah. Big ding-dongs all over the place. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe there was some Jamaican music going on there. <laughs> wow. Okay, so mm. with a black light or something. Anyway, yeah. anyway we'll, 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 yeah, we'll get into that. So that, that's, did you speak to the, the real people? No, I did all, not, or? because my character is actually two, two women merged into one. He had sex with two women. No. Oh, okay. uh, no, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends man. on how you see it. But no, basically, <laughs> so, uh, I think in the real story, there were six of them down in the, uh, like, six, um, three women, two men or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but in this one, we did two women and one man. Yeah. So it was we changed it slightly. Also because we didn't want to get into this, you know, to, to do it straight after reality. Because yeah. they're still alive, some of them. And it just felt a little bit... The names too, have changed. Yeah, yeah. Whatnot, we kind yeah. of just a little bit. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the actually shooting this thing, because again... I imagine A, didn't take that long, and B, you also, it's it's you, it's Ethan, it's Mark Strong, it's a couple mm. of other actors yeah. thrown into this yes. situation. Basically thrown into A couple it, of yeah. sets. Yeah. It was very intense and it was something I've been wanting to move away a bit from action films and, and you know, fight sequences and, you know, stunts. I wanted to go in and do something intimate and like a proper drama, you know, mm-hmm. with characters and, and, and just explore a relationship and this felt like the perfect little gift given to me mm-hmm. and it was like six seven weeks in toronto in 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 a bank and it was very creative very intense and we shot it chronologically so in the okay. end yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because when i started i was like oh i was talking to the director i was like i don't know if i can understand like what if i don't know when does this stockholm syndrome actually happen <laughs> <What's> <laughs> when the is point? it like yeah, yeah when does she fall for him like when does her perspective change when does this she start seeing it from from his eyes you mm. know and when does his words become her truth and then halfway through, I remember there was a day when I was like, in the beginning, I thought like I was a bit um, intimidated by Ethan. He was so loud and so like much. And I was like, oh, he's a bit aggressive. And then it was one day when I was like totally just in love with him. <laughs> and I felt like, wow, it happened. I came to the director. I was like, <laughs> I think it happened. Stockholm Syndrome happened. You know, but it was interesting because it, we, we, it almost felt like we got broken down into pieces. You know, I was like unraveling myself as an actress yeah. because it was so intense, such a long days. Yeah. So we kind of, you know, in the end, when they throw the tear gas in and all that, you know, and mm. and it was quite dramatic. And I felt like we it almost felt like we were dragged out in daylight, in bright daylight for the first time in, you know, in six weeks. Cause yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. We really stayed in that very closed environment. You're in an enclave. I mean, yeah. that, you hear so often about, you know, lots of actors and directors and writers will say that, you know, when you work on a film with someone, you work in that, that film really intensely for mm. six weeks and you mm. form these lifelong friendships. Yeah. And then they disappear over the horizon. Mm. You don't see them again for 10 years mm. later. But they're for still 10 there. Years. But they're still there. Yeah, yeah they're still part yeah. of your life. Yeah. Since The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo all those years ago for you, you've had this experience in Hollywood. You know, you've obviously had the likes of Prometheus and uh, and the, the Sherlock Holmes movie as, as well, as you mentioned. What's that experience been like for you? It, it's, the experience has brought you to London. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you enjoyed your Hollywood experiences to date? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, 
hundred percent. And I feel like I've been I've been very very lucky and blessed. I've been working and I'm working with amazing people. Mm. It's a bit shocking. I was in New Orleans. Um, we, we just shot a movie there, and I was um, I met Sam Rockwell who came to visit us, and and he said. I'm such a big fan of me. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> you know, like when my heroes and yeah. the people I've been following and that I'm obsessed with, when they come to me and they've seen my work, it's just uh, totally unreal. And that that's kind of what that, that, that happened to me when I met Ridley Scott. You know, he said to me that he he's seen my work and he wanted to work with me. And he was like, you don't need to audition. You don't need to prove yourself. I know what you can do. You know, so I've been very... Um, I feel very um, blessed. Some some star is shining on me and keeping big strong wings around me. Um, so and and I feel like I've been able to do what I want to do. I don't really see the industry like Hollywood. It feels very much. It's it's very um, directors driven. Yeah. So depending on who you work with, and I just finished this this a big show for Amazon, Jack Ryan, which is a big machinery, a big factory, like, you know, the big dragon, you know, yeah, 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 John okay. Krasinski. But, you know, in the end of the day, it's just me and John Krasinski standing in there and he's hilarious. And then you forget that it's like 300 people watching you doing this, you know what I mean? And then, you know, the next day I fly to Iceland and I'm shooting a project there now that is like very, very small, very intimate and very, uh, the weirdest project I've done in years it's like Yorgis, Yorgos Latsimos meets Lars von Trier you oh know so you God. go from this extreme yeah. big sets in New York with on Jack Ryan to this very intimate shoot in Iceland and I feel like you know I just adapt into it and then that's my reality and I don't really see it from you know kind of an outside perspective if you know yeah. what I mean you just see the projects you yeah. just see the directors mm-hmm. and, and, and what's the end of the project on Iceland what's it's called Lamb okay I've, I've basically been delivering baby lambs I'm not kidding <laughs> I've been out in, in a stable um, pulling a baby lamb out of a sheep's vagina <laughs> oh wow okay yeah. start yeah. the stars you mean to go on yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. wow how's that how, how was that like for you how's that experience been I mean it's funny my um I think people, you know, it's very, very far from Hollywood. And I think they were expecting me <laughs> yeah. to come and be like, you know, this kind of Hollywood star. And then it was like, I was like, dude, I grew up on a farm. <laughs> I grew up with dirt under my nails. So I feel like I'm going back to my roots a bit. Yeah. And you're also, you know, you're, you've uh, a new project just recently been announced with uh, Ficky Jusen, with whom you worked on, yeah. on Close as well. Yes. And uh, so you're, you're finding these relationships. Yeah, I love relationships. Yeah. I love uh, working with the same people growing, digging deeper. I was texting with Daniel Espinosa yesterday, mm. uh, who's a good friend of mine. We did Child 44. We want to do something else. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I like to come back to people uh-huh. and I like when you can be a bit rude, <laughs> you know, when you have a shortcut, when you don't need to do this kind of polite dance of getting to know each other. Yeah. Yeah, I really like to 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 have relationships that you evolve with and you grow with you, you, you I want to get old with people that I know you know <laughs> like if you like cut the bullshit no me I've heard this story before <laughs> you can't fool me <laughs> and is it different when you find a director that you want to work with again and yeah. again I mean uh, you, you know the best thing is when you have a director saying you're my muse you know you inspire me and and then 
you know, when they can see you adapt into different characters and become different personalities. And, you know, I can be fat, I can be skinny, I can mm. be, you know, I can't be taller, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. Okay. You can try, okay. you can wear stilts. I was trying to convince someone, actually, at some point that I could play a man. I was like, I can be, I can be a boy, I can be a man. I look quite boyish. So, I mean, um, and, and it's, it feels like it's, it's an amazing thing when you have relationship with, with someone that that you can grow with basically because they you can just go deep it's like a, it's like an onion you can just peel off more and more layers and really go into the core of of everything do you find that actors get better as they get older totally yeah yeah why is that i mean because just did, more experience or yeah and and we keep i mean it's also you know every movie i start i start from zero you never you, you I mean and one there's one thing you like yeah you do know you get older you you have more knowledge you you have a body of work uh, uh, you know you have a whole library of of things in you but at the same time you need to be humble because it doesn't matter you know if I don't do it if I don't find the honesty in this specific character it doesn't matter what I've done before so it's this kind of constant like it's almost like a terror balance between knowing and not knowing, you know. Mm. And I love that. And I think, you know, that's why you meet. I met Susan Sarandon in, in L.A. And I was totally, like, blown away by her beauty and her intelligence. And she's so so beautiful and stunning. And and I'm like, you know, she felt so ageless. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that with other actors, you know. It's like we don't really, it's almost like its own breed, you know, because we mm. keep. We're like kids. <laughs> yes. We're like super excited every time <laughs> and, and, and terrified. <laughs> and you're right as well. Like the, the job calls for you to be different things at mm. different times. Yeah, and yeah. every job is a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, something that you haven't done before. That was interesting what you said that, that Ridley had said to you, Ridley, like I know him, yeah. uh, Ridley had uh, said to you, Sir Ridley, had said to you that, you know, you, you don't need to prove mm. anything to me. Yeah. Mm. But I imagine that for most actors, they still, whenever they're starting a new project, need to prove something to themselves. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know, I always have, um, I'm very self-critical and, and I have, um, I always want to do better. I analyze myself and I'm quite hard on myself, but I don't come myself to others but I do have very high standards and if I feel like I'm not hitting it or I'm not going as far as I want or as deep as I want I'm you know I give myself hard serious talk you know oh really but um uh, so so uh, but I also think it's very important to 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 kind of not be too ego you know to to not get too self-centered I don't go I don't look at myself in the monitor I, I, you know, I try to stay in it with the other actors, and and you know, the scene is between me and you. Mm-hmm. It's not me, 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 and how I look and how I come across, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. I think it's really important to keep a healthy view on yourself and just like, you know, not not be too. It's not all about you always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Even though it is, so it's this whole, you know, yes. Uh, I, I'm very self-critical, but sometimes it's like, okay, take a break from yourself. You know, look at the other person. <laughs> what, what do you have in front of you? <laughs> Might be way more interesting. <laughs> the very last thing I'll ask you is, because uh, we've got to let you go. You've mm. got to go to Paris. Yeah, so we've yeah, got to let yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. But uh, have you sent Susan Sarandon any hardcore Jamaican rap? Oh, you know, I think she would like that. Actually. <laughs> she would. Da da da. Good idea. I'm going to LA in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Maybe I come with my boombox, you know, <laughs> outside of her house. <laughs> Who's playing bouncing up on my big ding dong at three yeah. in the morning? What's going on? Could have you knew me? Yeah. Repass. <laughs> yeah.
Get off my lawn! <laughs> or she would be like, come on, come on, let's have a party. <laughs> she's, she da- she's super, like, she's funny. Yeah. And she's still, you know, I remember we went for dinner and she was like, you know, she got good moves. <laughs> yeah, so I think she would appreciate some Jamaican tunes. So you got to make a movie together now. You got to get it, you know, yeah. in yeah. the podcast in here. And then, yeah, we should do the podcast in Jamaica. You, okay, done. Susan Sarandon. Done. Shall we do some yeah. tourists? Shall we hit some tourists? Yeah, spots obviously. In Jamaica? Yeah. I think they're quite different from London. I think they're very different. Yeah, from we, can, <laughs> we can go deep and dark. <laughs> Fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure. Numi Rapace. Or should I say, Numi Rap Ace? No? No? Rap no? Ace? Or Rap Ace? You no. know, one is. You've never heard that one before. Yeah, no, I've heard. So I did. What was it? Letterman. When I was on Letterman, David Letterman, years ago, he said "rape ass." You know, it was a rehearsal, but he did say "no, no. rape ass." And then, like, some producer was like. <laughs> and I was there and I was like I got the giggles and I was like oh god I'm going to start laughing at him the first thing I do and then we had to like obviously do it again but Ray yeah. Has, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah it's a French name actually it's Rapace. a French name Rapace, Rapace. Yeah. Okay. okay fantastic it's been a pleasure thank, thank you so much Steve alright so that was Numi Rapace and now it's time for some movie news guys what's happened have you replenished the movie news supply you know what? There's been quite a lot this week, I feel like. There has. And the most important one, Helen, is... Yeah. Go on, do it. Uh, Rosamund Pike has been cast, the first oh, cast member, God. for the TV adaptation from Amazon yes. of Wheel of Time. That's right. As I think it, it is Moraine. She's been confirmed as Moraine. Moraine, yeah, I believe so. Moraine of the Eyes Sedai. Yes. Users of Sidar, the one half of the true source. I love this shit. Yeah. Um, so it's a, this is a fantasy world. Um, it's written by a guy called, or was written by a guy called Robert Jordan, who was a like best buds basically was George R. R. Martin certainly yes. professionally speaking best buds and they, they used to swap you know um, tips with each other all the time um, another kind of military historian so it's another one of these stories where there is kind of a chosen one um, but he actually experiences difficulty in trying to sort the world out so he basically has to save the world from basically the devil but instead of everybody falling into line where he, when he waves his sword in the air and goes woo come with me everybody goes no fuck off um, so he has to basically conquer country by country and face all manner of problems and trollocs. demons and trollocs and, which are basically orcs by another name and is that because they got massive bollocks <laughs> trollocs you know have the bollocks they troll, might troll bollocks let's yeah. hope trollocs. not um, into all this, anyway, Rosamund Pike's character is a sort of, uh, yeah, she's kind of a sorceress. Um, she doesn't, it's not so much, she depends on magic. Like they're, they're like they're like magic nuns. They are. They're basically mm. like the Benny Gesserit from Dune, aren't they? Yes, as you so correctly say, Helen, the Benny Gesserit sisterhood from, of course, Dune being adapted currently by <laughs> Denis Villeneuve from the book by Frank Herbert. Thanks, uh, James. <laughs> Moving on, though. Um, but they are kind of a little bit that way inclined. Um, and they're all female for reasons that will become clear during, during the story. But basically, this woman turns up in a small town, identifies these three boys as having something weird about them, and basically recruits them and a couple of others to go on an adventure with her. And so begins the story. That and sounds Rosamund really Pike, dodgy. It does sound dodgy when I put it that way, but trust me, it makes a little bit more sense in person, but it's still a little bit so dodgy. When we talked about this last time, loads of people were like, oh, guys, yeah, should I start reading The Wheel of Time? And I was like, I, was, I went, yeah, um, should you start reading The Wheel of Time? Look, it's only so 14, 800-page books. It's 14,800 paid books. The first, I mean, let's be honest, 12 or 13 of which are, no, not 12. It's the first of us, 11 or 12. So basically all the Robert Jordan ones are quite boring. But in a good way. But when Brandon, Robert Jordan died. Hang on a second. Yes. I've got to stop you there. 
All right, moving on. No, um, no, no. no. So no, Robert Dunn died, and Brandon Sonson took over, and so the last ones are really pacey because he 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 yeah, had but some real too pacey, okay. you know, like he doesn't pause to but talk about what people are wearing. This is where I'm struggling to get my head around. Okay, so you're really excited about the adaptation of a series of books. There are 14 books, and you just wrote off the first 12. No, no, no. no. Why, why should saying, I give no, a no, shit? The story is actually quite good. He's just he's not the paciest writer, and also he names characters odd, I'm odd sorry. names like. Alan. You're a fan of George R. R. Martin, so you don't get to say shit. At least Robert Jordan practically finished his series of his much longer series before he died and left 1,200 pages of notes and a designated I mean, successor. All of this is fair. And the last chapter. His series is actually but, done, unlike some fantasy authors I could mention. So I feel like we're being a little bit harsh here. Did you not notice, and you pointed out just before we started recording, that one of the producers on this is called... What's his name? It's called um, somebody Mandragon. He's called... There's a producer on this called Mandragon. One of the main characters is called Alan Mandragon. Uh, Dragoran. Dragoran, yeah. Yeah. I he's mean, drunk. I do find it odd, like, that when fancy authors call characters things like Alan. Like, it, it, it's I Al think, apostrophe uh, lad. I mean, the apostrophe changes matter. nothing. It's Alan. Excuse now, me, as someone with an apostrophe, <laughs> it's a very important piece of punctuation. Thank you very look, much. There's a really good author, Brent Weeks, who I really enjoy, and he wrote this series called The, the Black Prison, which is fantastic, except for the fact that the main character in it is called Gavin. Like, it's a fancy series I mean, with magic, and everyone has magic names, except... Gavin. Not to be funny, but you're a huge fan of June, whose hero is called, called Paul, Paul. Okay. and his mum is Jessica. Fair. That's fair. So that, it's weird, like, and his antagonist, you know, Fade Rautha. They got proper sci fi names, and then he's just obviously ran out of inspiration. But yeah, we'll go with uh, Paul. I am fully on board with this. Uh, where's the apostrophe uh, in your name? It's after the O. I thought it was an exclamation mark. What else have we got, Helen? Um, okay, let's, let's, get, let's get some actual <laughs> film news. Um, there is the news that Pixar have announced their next but one project for 2020. Yep. And it is a Pete Doctor joint called Soul. Because having delved into the subconscious and every part of the mind and inside out, what's left for him to do but look at the meaning of sentient life itself? Do we not soul. cover this in Coco? Outside in. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, I mean, I'm basically just here for it. And I, I, I tweeted this yesterday, so I'm slightly plagiarizing myself, but I genuinely feel like Pete Doctor's Pixar films are one day going to form the basis of a new civilization hmm. or religion or both. I don't know. Up is still the best. Up is still the best. Uh, yeah, I'm very, very on board for a Pete Doctor joint, as Helen says. Sure. Uh, winners don't do drugs. And uh, yeah, very, very excited. But this is out in June next year. And there's two original June. Pixar movies. Oh, fuck off. There are two original Pixar movies <laughs> out next year. One is in February or March. And the other one is in G- the sixth <laughs> month of the year, which is exciting. Uh, so very, very on board for that. Also, yesterday it was uh, confirmed the official title of the Kingsman prequel, uh, which <laughs> is news to most people. Uh huh. Not everyone in not this room. Not everyone in this room. I see. But uh, you know, not everyone in this room signed a NDA either. So uh, it, we were told at one point last year by Matthew Fallon it was going to be called Kingsman: The Great Game, but it's been changed, and I can absolutely see why now because of this prequel. And it is the King's Man. There's an apostrophe in there, not an exclamation mark. So it'd be the King. This man. man. Yeah, that wouldn't work, you see. No, so yeah. it's the King's Man. Mm. So we know it's you know Ray Fiennes and Harris Dickinson and Gemma Arterton and. 
Aaron Taylor Johnson and all those lovely people. Lovely. In an adventure in the early 20th century. How exciting. Cool. Good stuff. Um, Aldous Hodge is on for the uh, Invisible Man film, yes. along with um, Elizabeth Moss and Storm Reid. That's exciting. He once killed Sam in Supernatural, so that's cool. Did he? Yeah. Nipple twist, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Milked him dry, was it? <laughs> Nipple cream at the wazoo. Stabbed him in the back, actually. It was really nasty. Really? Yeah, it was mean. But he's gotten, obviously, nicer since then, I guess. Hey, Lin-Manuel Miranda's had news as well. He's directing an adaptation of Tick, Tick, Boom. It's uh, actually a show written by Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent. um, And it's about a, a struggling writer, basically, who's trying to make the next great American play. Oh, I've never um, heard of it. And uh, the, the the hope is that Andrew Garfield would take the lead, obviously coming off a, a hit Broadway and West End run as in Angels in America. So that would be fantastic. Can he sing the Garfield? Can he sing? He must be able to sing. Of course he can sing. He can do anything. Look at his hair. Is there evidence of him hair. singing? I, 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 there's something t- at the back of my mind telling me that there is evidence that he can sing. And I can't remember. I can't put my finger on it. He's probably like been singing in films for years and I just haven't noticed yeah I'm, I'm, I'm now wondering that myself I feel like I've heard him sing and I can't think I feel I've heard him sing as well or I've, or heard, I've heard of him singing or something but this is this is pretty cool is Tick Tick Boom a line from Hamilton as well or am I um, it's I mean it's a line from you know Boom Shake the Room Boom Shake the Room by Jesse Jeff and the Fresh Prince I love those it guys it is also in Hamilton I'm pretty sure I'm pretty and sure. if so you can be 100% sure it's a it's an homage All right. to Larson of whom of course Lin-Manuel Miranda is a huge fan yes very excited about that it's going to be on Netflix exciting news that No Ho Hank is Yes mm. Ho Hank <laughs> so Anthony Carrigan if you don't watch Barry Barry is incredible and Anthony Carrigan is even more incredible He's so good in Barry as an up-and-coming mob guy. And he has joined a cast of Bill and Ted Face the Music. And he's going to be the bad guy in that movie. So that's exciting news. I feel like he's he's the new death, surely. I th- I've, my feeling is uh, that he might be the son of death. Oh. That it might be a film that's focusing on offspring. Because we know that Bill and Ted yeah. have have daughters in this so perhaps death also has a son. That would be amazing. This is just complete Whoa. speculation yeah, on my but part. Equally, it's genius. So when it must the, be true. When this news was announced yesterday, Ed Solomon, the writer of the film, co-writer of the film, uh, tweeted this, and I tweeted, re- replied to him, going, he, "He's not playing the son of death, and there's something seriously wrong." And Ed Solomon liked the tweet. <gasps> I'm taking that as a tacit confirmation <sighs> that my theory is correct. Cool. So there you go. You heard it here first on the Empire Podcast. Sure. Anthony Carrigan is playing the son of death <laughs> <laughs> in Bill and Ted Face the Music. Very quick extra thing. Um, Blythe Spirit is being filmed for the big screen and they've announced their casting this uh, week. So basically, Dan Stevens plays this, I think, writer who's remarried, got married to his second wife, who's played by Isla Fisher. And while it, looking for inspiration for a project, he he contacts this psychic, this medium, who's a bit, a bit of a fraudster, a bit rubbish. She's played by Judy Dench. But what do you know? She actually contacts his dead wife, what? his first wife, who's played by Leslie Mann. So she's going to be the spirit that basically comes back and haunts them and basically tries to get her husband killed so they can be together in the afterlife. It's a comedy. Lols aplenty. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually quite a fun play. I saw it on stage a few years ago with Angela Lansbury as the medium. Oh, so, God, uh, you, you went to see it with Angela Lansbury, which would I, I cool. do hang out with her a lot, of course, but on this yeah. occasion, she was the one on stage. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Well done. Uh, yeah, this is um, stepping into David Lean and Noel Coward's shoes is mm. 
no mean feat. So we wish Unmull the best. And Dan Stevens, of course, Empire Spirit Animal. So Indeed. everyone's very happy about that. There's loads of other things to talk about real, real quick as well. So Michael Fassbender is trying to get a new franchise off the ground. It is called Malco. And it's going to be based on a series of books by Sherrod Defilier. And there are 200 odd books in this series, which makes Lee Child look <laughs> lazy, quite frankly. And this one's going to be based on Berlin Checkpoint Charlie, the 29th in the series. And he's going to be playing a gentleman warrior called Malco Lynch. Or yes. Ling. Feels like a Spoonerism somewhere. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? And he, uh, he is a gentleman warrior without a code who works according to his own moral code. Uh, without then a country, he does rather. have a code. Oh, Sorry, okay. I meant he has a. He doesn't have a country, but he has a moral code, and he lives with a wicked wit and a lust for life. A wicked witch. A Golly. Wicked, <laughs> a wicked witch and a lusty wife. Wow, this is an extraordinary story. <laughs> this sounds sounds right up Fassbender Street. So yes, very very exciting indeed. Uh, Jermaine Fowler is joining the cast of Coming to America, which is the sequel to Coming to America. But you have to imagine one has the number two and one has the word two. So oh, yes, of course the original. The number two, and now this one has T.O. They've announced a Hunger Games prequel. How do we feel about yeah. this? Wildly indifferent. But uh, <laughs> so the book, we don't know an awful lot about no. the book. So the book, I assumed, if it's going to be a Hunger Games prequel, I assumed it would be like the fall of Pan Am, like how it breaks down into, you know, Civil War. But apparently it happens. Uh, sometime after that during the first decade of the Hunger Games yeah like so, 64 years yeah. before so Canada, it feels a lot like just an excuse to have another Hunger Games yeah we've got to hope there's a bit more to it but that, that would be my worry as well like there has to be something different and again you know my slight antipathy towards prequels if you're, you, you, you really need to show mm. me something that I care about and don't know yet so hopefully that's what this will do um, but yeah the last book in the series was a bit disappointing so I'm hoping that this is a better book and yeah, Adaptation. I do remember mm-hmm. the scene where Katniss shines a light on a wall and a cat bats at it with its paw for at least 45 to 50 minutes. <laughs> so that was unexpected and unneeded. Yes. I'm mm. expecting this, of course, this will be a film as well, produced by Landscape, and I'm expecting it to be broken into 45 parts. <laughs> <laughs> Richard E. Grant and Sharon Horgan have joined the cast of Everybody's Talking About Jamie, mm. which is a an adaptation of the hit West End musical. Haven't seen it, Helen. Have you I seen have, it? yes. Is it good? It's pretty good. Yeah, good, it's good interesting. Songs? Uh, yes, yes, they are. Yes, they okay. are good. I like it. It was Excellent. fun. All right, and I think that's pretty much it on the news front. I mean, I don't think pretty much nothing else. else. No big films about. that may have uh, another. Hang on a second. Wait, what? You just mentioned spoiler podcast. That reminds me of one we did. Do you remember a film called Avengers Endgame? The one that Avengers. came so close to being the biggest movie of all time, but didn't quite make it. Yeah. So, like the biggest movie of all time, will be re-released into cinemas. In the hope of getting a little bit more extra cash. Yes, I, I love, I love the fact that they've done this. The fact that they've said we came so close, we didn't quite make it. So no, no, we're not going to leave it there. We are absolutely taking this away from Avatar, and so they've tacked a few extra goodies onto the end of the film. Yes, and they're re-releasing it. Kevin Feige just counting money in, <laughs> <laughs> in, in his post, big money house in a post-credit sting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, Avengers yeah. Endgame is being re-released. Re-re-re-released. Avengers Endgame is being re-released into cinemas next weekend. Now is that definitely over here as well because we'll have to go next week just to check it out right? Yeah, of I mean, course. we will have to go mm. um, and then hopefully they'll have the extra footage and, and whatnot. it's alright it'll be on in the Glastonbury film tent so yeah. the extra footage is worth mentioning is not actually in the film this is, this is purely <laughs> end credit stuff is it? Yes, I Have believe we... it's. I believe it's almost like a trail for the for the for the home end stuff for the goodies on the on the DVD. I mean, so that's, not, that's not really. For, is it? That's not really like 
what they are implying. They're implying it's a bit more substantive than that. I know. At the very least, I think, okay, this is obviously a cynical attempt to go past Avatar. Fully. I don't think they're even right? pretending it isn't. No one's pretending otherwise. Cynical. But here's my hope. My hope is that, that the Russos have taken that cynical attempt to go past Avatar and used it to do something fun. And as long as that is the case, I will be super happy. Even if they are literally eating shawarma and just talking, super happy. I, I hope it's extended, either extended scenes within the, the context of the film. I hope it's stuff that we know was shot but didn't make it. Things like um, people's conversations with other characters who maybe didn't make it to the end of the film after they have done a certain thing with a certain gauntlet. Uh huh. So maybe something like that, or you know, just like I said before, just interstitials, just Kevin Feige counting his money, Robert Downey Jr. picking out a new conservatory. I just want <laughs> to see that kind of stuff, just studded through the movie, and that would be pretty awesome. I'd be here for it. All right. Okay. So very, very exciting news indeed, and uh, I don't think we're going to be doing a new spoiler special for this, but but you never know. We may tack another hey. hour or so onto the <laughs> onto the one that we released. I feel a few like weeks there's ago. a lot we didn't cover. Uh, there's a lot we didn't cover. We didn't cover minutes forty seven and minutes three hundred and ninety one. So <laughs> we need to get into that. Anyway, time now to hear from this week's sponsor because once again we're delighted, nay, overwhelmed to have the legendary magazine, The Economist, sponsor this week's pod. You think they'd have learned their lesson, but no, here they are, back for more. And as ever. We have an incredible offer for all Empire podcast listeners who are based in the United Kingdom. You can get your mitts on a free print copy of The Economist. Did I mention how much it was, Helen? No. It's free. Absolutely free. And if you don't already subscribe to The Economist, then let me fill you in. It's been around for over 175 years and is a veritable institution. Just like Helen's sex tent at Glastonbury. What? No. It is your one-stop shop for incredible, insightful articles about economics, politics, entertainment and the world around us. Articles like the one, for example, that caught my eye this week about how business is booming in space. With many companies responsible for launching tiny satellites known as smallsats, all one word, nanosats, all one word, or cubesats, all one word, into space with many more to come over the next few years. Now, many of these can be used for purposes like data storage or surveillance of illegal shipping activity. That's shipping as in ships that actually go in the water and not, oh, I like those two fictional characters and I hope they get it on. Just just want to make that absolutely clear. Um, Now, these things will make our lives down here on Earth much easier, but with such an expansion comes problems. Not only could one satellite out of place even a little bit start a chain reaction of collisions that might incapacitate the entire low-Earth orbit ecosystem in a heartbeat, but now companies are beginning to five for space in space and dominance of said space in space, which could get very interesting indeed. And all this could form either the basis for the next Aaron Sorkin movie, because it would be very, very smart people talking in rooms, or the next Michael Bay movie, because it would be people in space trying to stop satellites from blowing up. Or maybe the first Aaron Sorkin-Michael Bay movie. Now there's a thought. And that's just one of the many brilliant articles in this week's Economist, articles that will expand your mind and give you brand new insight into the way the world works. And we are once again, as I said, offering all UK-based Empire Podcast listeners an incredible offer, a free print copy of The Economist to get your ball rolling. And again, it's free. Gratis. No money will change hands. All you have to do is text the word MOVIES. MOVIES to 78 Zero, seven, zero. And before you know it, you'll be up to your eyeballs in great articles. So 
movies. Movies 78070. And thanks once again to The Economist for sponsoring the show. Okay, time now for our second and final guest this week. And he is Josh Cooley. And he is the director of Toy Story 4, which sees all your favourite characters from the previous Toy Story movies. So Buzzy, Woodmeister, the Bo Peeps, the Dinosaur one, the Piggy Bank one, and uh-huh. the one that goes down the stairs real fast. Those ones. So Josh Cooley is the director of this. He has been at Pixar for a while. He was, he, he was story supervisor on mm-hmm. Inside Out, and now he is director on Toy Story 4. And we sent John Nugent along to have a good old natter with him about Woody, Buzz, and all the gang. Yeah, I can name them. Bo Peep, Rex, Ham, Slinky. See? Amazing. I got it. You got it. I got you it still going got on. it. Absolutely. Here we are. Josh Cooley talking to John Nugent. Enjoy. Josh Cooley, director of Toy Story 4. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today. My pleasure. Um, you uh, you made me cry three times. Um, uh, is is that your? Is that? I think that's your problem. <laughs> uh, this was not. You didn't. You didn't hurt my feelings or anything. It's okay. Okay. It's, it's, it, this wasn't uh, any slight. No. Toy Story Four was. It really got to me. Um, oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's always the goal. Uh, I, I did wonder. Did was it an emotional roller coaster for you? Did it make you cry in the making of it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this was my first. Um, first feature film as director yes and so um there's a lot to learn and a lot to uh, experience and just the fact that this is toy story is already a huge amount of pressure yeah um but i i was so honored to be asked to do it but there's you know making these films that they are emotional films not only just trying to um make something that touches people but i remember the just the, the first time that really hit me we were making a Toy Story film was, you know, we'd already recorded Tom and Tam and done a bunch of animation and stuff. But the very first recording session with Randy Newman and hearing his music mm. against the picture of the film just was overwhelming. And I, and I started just crying. Yeah. Couldn't help it. That's, that's when I was like, that's now we're making Toy Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funnily enough that the opening titles that was the first cry for me because it because it was like I was seven years old again you know that you've yeah. got a friend in me yeah that's that takes you back to being where you were as a kid absolutely watching. and and that was the goal is to in that moment remind you of those films yeah. just so that when Woody is starting to feel nostalgic and and talk about that later on you're you're right there with him you yeah, understand yeah yeah yeah. So what was your first experience of, of the first Toy Story? Like, what was your entry point? Well, I remember going to see it with my with my younger brother in uh, in our hometown. And I always wanted to work in animation. So I, would, I was kind of taking in everything that was animated at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother and I were sitting there. and I, But I, obviously it was totally different because it's the first CG film ever. But uh, on top of that, just the story was so different from everything else that mm-hmm. was being done at the time. There was mm-hmm. no... No princesses in it. There was no villain in it. There was no um, no songs that were being sung by the characters of you know an I want song or anything like that. So yeah. um, already it felt completely different from uh, anything I'd ever seen. Yeah. And so was it surreal to then be handed the keys to this basically the the sort of flagship franchise of the studio? Yeah, that's exactly it. And, yeah. Um, I always thought think of um, these characters almost like the Mickey Donald Goofy of Pixar because <laughs> yeah. they are. You know, every single one of our films is possible because of Toy Story. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, to be given the, the keys to that Ferrari yeah. and be like, uh, uh, 
I've never driven a car before. <laughs> and you go, here you go. Yeah. And, uh, but luckily I had so many, uh, people on the cast or on the crew and cast that were so such supportive people and, and great collaborators that I never felt, um, alone. Yeah. I was trying to think of how many like fourth films in a series there are that, that don't suck, you know, <laughs> I tried um, to not think about that while we we're making it. <laughs> um, but did, did, I mean, yeah, did, I was going to ask, did, did you look at any sequels and like see how they work like at this stage in a, in a well, series? The only sequels that I looked at were Toy Story 1, 2, or Toy Story 2 and 3. Yeah. Because we didn't want to make, we, did, we, wanted, we wanted to make sure that we didn't do anything we've already done. Mm. And I think that's kind of the, the curse of a sequel is that you don't want to repeat something because the second you do, the audience goes, ah, I've seen this. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And but at the same time, they want to re-experience what they know. Yeah. So it's a very very hard line to walk, and I you know especially with a fourth film, it you've done so much already with Woody, yeah. and we were starting it off by going, where can we take this? Where can we take him from here? Yeah. But I mean, you know, it seems to have worked. It's been incredibly well received as we speak. It's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't. I can't believe that. <laughs> it's not bad for your first film. How I, do, can't I mean, believe it. have you have you? Do you pay much attention to that sort of thing? Or? Well, I pay attention to the audience. I, mm. my, you know, when I'm, I hadn't really thought about this, but I guess the goal is always to have the audience respond to the film. Like we're, mm. I'm trying to emotionally convey something through the screen, and and so I love sitting in the audience after a film that I've worked on comes out, and and just experiencing it with them, and just s seeing how they respond. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so much to respond to here. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Bo Peep. I love yeah. what you've done with her in, in this film. Because essentially in the first film, she's almost like a supporting character. She is, yeah. And, and in this, this sequel, you get a chance to flesh her out and look into her sort of inner life, I guess. That was one of the things that got me really excited about the film. Mm. In Toy Story 3, there's one mention of her. She's not even in the movie at all. Mm. But somebody mentions Bo Peep, Rex does, and, and Woody goes yeah 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 we even lost Bo and it's so emotional just mm. that little moment and so to be able to give the chance to answer what happened to her and to see that relationship kind of come apart uh was exciting to to do just just on screen and then to bring her back in a way that is totally different from what we've known and the, the interesting thing is we went back and watched one and two and just looked at the Bo Peep scenes she's only in about six minutes of, mm. of the combined oh, wow. movies and but what she does is whenever Woody is feeling crazy, he's like, ah, where's my hat? Uh, she says, Woody, look under your boot. Look whose name's under there. Yeah. Andy cares about you. And she kind of puts him right back on the right track. So she's always been this tertiary supportive character. And we looked at that when all we have to do is bring her to the forefront. She's already she's already strong. She's already kind of awesome. Mm. Let's just put her through this situation for nine years where she's living on her own. And that just naturally became this strong character who's a, who's a survivor. And I'm fascinated by those nine years. Like, did you discuss, I mean, there's almost another Toy Story film in there. Like, the <laughs> adventures he gets up to on the road. Like, did you discuss what she'd been up to in the intervening years? Yeah, we actually had uh, sequences in, you know, different versions of the movie we'd done over the years. We had um, scenes where we actually saw the whole thing. We actually oh, wow, saw okay. everything that had happened to her. And then we quickly realized, yeah, it's cool to get the answers but you actually don't need to know exactly everything yeah um all we need to see is that it's tough out there for a toy which we've set up in all three toy story films yeah and that she's cool with it and that was enough to kind of she goes yeah yeah they you know 
throw me out and then whatever. It, yeah. Like, what is it? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, um, there, I mean, there's so many amazing new toys to talk about. Uh, I love Forky. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love it. In the first Toy Story, you get to, you're introduced Buzz, who's kind of like the ultimate toy. And in yeah. Forky, you kind of get respectfully the crappiest toy <laughs> yes um was that was that the genesis he's almost like the anti-buzz well the the absolutely yes but the genesis even before that was we were just sitting around the story room just making stupid jokes and, and saying <laughs> you know lo- we were looking at our own kids and how they actually play with with anything yeah my kid will pick up a rock and go doo, 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 and, it, <laughs> and now it's a, a person you know yeah. so we were saying well if that happened in toy story would that mean the rock's alive does it have eyes and a mouth all of a sudden <laughs> like how does that work yeah and so just that idea of a kid playing with something having that imagination and uh we decided what if bonnie made a toy like made something out of something else and that toy comes to life and that toy has never seen toy story one through three <laughs> doesn't understand the rules of the world or any it'd be like if we were dropped onto an alien planet yeah and expected to be the king of that planet <laughs> it'd be like what is going on so i already loved just the idea of that yeah and then um it became even better when we realized he can actually force woody to explain his mindset and explain what it means to be a toy yeah He's, I mean, he's like an instant hit, this character, especially with Tony Hale's performance. Oh, Tony. Um, when we were talking about this character, Tony was the first name that popped into our heads. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad he said yes. We, we pitched it to him and said, this character is uh, doesn't understand anything and um, is afraid of everything. And he went, okay, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing. And I love that he's already got his own spin-off TV show for, for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you know early on you had sort of something special that... Well, you know, you know, we're it or it felt like a brand new take on toys, yeah. and anything that felt new for a fourth film was 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 precious. And we're like, we have to ex- we have to go down that path and and explore it because you, after four films, you know, it's it's a, there's a lot that has already been done. Mm. So um, we just we worked on that character and we worked with Tony to create his uh, his voice and also his mindset and and that's what came out. I also love uh, Duke Kaboom. He's a bit of a scene stealer. Um, yeah. And you're riding the crest of the, the Keanu Renaissance, as, as people are calling it. Like, he's having a moment right now. Oh, yeah, which he did, totally deserves. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we cast him two years ago. We had no idea that this would be, yeah. be a thing. But uh, he was so amazing to work with. Yeah. And that character is so funny and so... And has so much pathos because of Keanu. I I credit him for that. We all we had was the idea of this character and kind of the name and just the idea that he's a stuntman. And when he came to the studio, just to before he even said yes, he just came to to talk about the character and talk about the story. And so I pitched it all to him, and and he would ask these amazing character questions about Duke that I was not prepared for because I kind of <laughs> thought it was like a side joke. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he he would say things like. Um, um, what is this character? What What is he afraid of? You know, <laughs> I'd be like, oh man. Uh, well, you know, and he said, is he mad at the world or is he mad at his commercial? Like, which one? I'm like, oh, well, that's a great question. I think he'd be mad at the, he's mad at the marketing department for, for, right. for saying that he can do things he can't do for real. Right. And he go, okay, that, yeah, that's great. Right? And so then we were actually, we were crafting this character together mm. and we were having lunch in the Pixar atrium and he was saying he's a, he's a action figure, right? And I said, yeah. So he does poses, and so he was going, huh, ha, huh, hoo, like going from pose to pose, and I start laughing so hard because this is genius. 
And uh, to the point where Keanu stood up on the table and went, I'm Duke Kaboom! <laughs> and it was like, wow, this is, this is the character. And so I was so thrilled when he said yes, because I had already seen the character. He was doing it. And yeah. so, so it's all there in the movie. It's all Keanu. That's amazing. That's an amazing Keanu uh, impression, by the way. Oh, you nailed him. I've been listening to him for the last yeah, three yeah. years. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, whatever happens in the future, uh, hope to see more Toy Story. <laughs> Josh Cooley, thank you so much for thank the time. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. That was Josh Cooley, and now it is time to delve deep into this week's reviews. And we're going to start with Brightburn. Jimbo. Yes, this is the this is the film that was announced at roughly the same time that James Gunn dropped out of Guardians of the Galaxy three, and got, its announcement I think got slightly overshadowed by that whole event. But this is uh, so he's producing this film, and this is a very simple premise: it's what if Superman was evil 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 uh so yeah so this is uh elizabeth banks and david denman as a couple living in rural canvas specifically brightburn kansas uh wanting a child which is handled in an incredibly subtle you would never know they were trying to get a child as the camera passes through 15 different books on fertility (laughs) and then them having sex saying i wonder if we'll have a child this time anyway uh and then a meteorite crashes in the forest and lo and behold tis a small bouncing bonnie baby boy who turns out to be a super-powered monster no yes as this plays out he starts to come into his powers and uses them to do such things as crush a girl's hand uh perv on her in her bedroom and then start murderizing the shit out of people so this isn't good, which is a real shame because I really love this premise. It's a great idea. I mean, it's been explored a little bit in comics. Like Red Sun, it's not really if he was evil, it's just if he was a communist. Mm. But like, I love the idea of this. Like, what if Superman was fundamentally a bad guy? But I feel there was more interesting stuff you could have done with this. Like, yeah. is it a nature versus nurture thing? Would it have been, what if normal Superman had arrived with like a horrible couple, not the Kents? You know, and maybe that, but it's not. They're a lovely couple, and yet he is just amoral and. He's a, he's a small superpowered sociopath and it's it's very gory it's quite sadistic but it doesn't do anything clever it doesn't do anything new and with no real basis other than my own theories this feels like a prime example of what happens when nepotism goes wrong uh, because this is written by two guns um, <laughs> this, who I uh, that I'm right saying they're James Gunn's cousins one cousin one brother I one cousin and one yeah. brother and it I mean and I know nothing about this and I have no evidence for this but it feels a little bit like they wanted to get this film made and his name has been used to grease the wheels and this oh, has I th- got made. I think because that's Because I can't harsh. think of many other reasons why this would have got made. Oh, I, I think that's way harsh. I mean, I, I agree that there's some shortcomings here, but I feel like the actual, the premise is really strong. Yes, it's there are, brilliant. There are lots of strong scenes. I think things I may know. have been lost along the way. Yeah, like I think the stalking of the little girl scene is super creepy super creepy mm. and then super forgotten about yeah yes it is but that's one of the yeah. problems and I, but I feel like you know if you were reading the script you can you could latch on to the premise and those ideas and go brilliant let's make it we'll sort out the problems later and then just forget yeah. and I feel like that's maybe what's happened I feel like also you know there's a there's an implication that basically, you know, something in the pod, something in the media has kind of triggered this change in him. Yep. That there has been a shift in his personality, but that's never really explored nope, no. beyond the fact that he just does bad things. There's no sense of this isn't our son anymore. You're, you're not clear on whether something that was always in him has just started to come out or if something has fundamentally essentially killed the yeah. son that they had it's, and yeah. taken his place. Motiveless malignancy seems to yeah. kind of be all over the place. He's like, a, it's like a, he's like a one-man sleeper cell, isn't he? That seems, <laughs> it seems to be that's the way that but the film is going. But, but the Midwich Cuckoos did that brilliantly and mm, then yeah. this just doesn't It doesn't, remember. and I think it is. It's a missed opportunity. It's not yeah. particularly well written. The sense of dread didn't really work for me. They used exclusively jump scares in... in, in 
in mm. place of actual sort of fear building. Uh, and, you know, and gore, again, it, it does not make for a scary film. And you do also have that slight problem, which is Superman as a hero is problematically overpowered. And now you have the opposite situation where, as a psychopathic killer, he's stupidly overpowered. And the way he kills people is just like he could do it in a million different ways because mm. he's essentially godlike. Yeah, and that would work if he was m- conflicted about it somehow yeah, or if isn't. there was a sense of mm. the good guy still in there or if there's, you know, there's some way but it, that that isn't really brought out that isn't really mm. something that they play with. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no sense of inner conflict at all. No. For example, you know, this movie brought to mind occasionally Damien Omen 2 mm. which is a sequel to The Omen in case you didn't know and in that Damien is around the same age. I think he's made, no, probably is the same age because it kind of echoes the Bible. He mm. had he's a, a kid, then he's twelve, and then he's in his thirties. And so there's a moment in that where Damien, for many many moments in that where Damien is told his destiny and told what awaits him as the Antichrist, and he struggles with it, and he struggles with conflict and with guilt. And there's a moment where he has he his cousin finds out and he kills his cousin, but he's kind of torn up about it a little bit there's nothing like that in this mm. in this movie at all I think it's a bit of a wasted opportunity I thought it was a bit dull and rote sadly and and the second we'll get on to the other one in a second but the second horror movie this week to be filled with just really stupid people doing ridiculously dumb things I think it's about half an hour in before Elizabeth Banks and David Denman, who is uh, Roy by the way from the US office and is, is really good in mm, this movie I really like him in this um, and both are are doing fine work here but it's about half an hour in before they, their, their freaky deaky space kid son <laughs> who's doing weird freaky deaky space kid shit prompts the conversation going do you think it might be because he's from space do you think it might <laughs> yeah, no. do you think it might be that it's like the we need to talk about Kevin thing but so, oh should we met he's a fucking alien how does this not come up until this point like he's eating forks <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when your psychopathic child is eating the cutlery, you've got... And the, the best part of that scene is he's eating the cutlery and the dad goes upstairs to tell the mum, gets distracted and then forgets to mention it. Like, it's not important. That kid just no. ate a fork. Do you want to tell me anything interesting, Roy, from the office? Uh, no, it no, slipped, slipped my mind. My mind. I can't think I'll be honest. what it could have been. Yeah. No, it's gone. <sighs> so... Five stars then <laughs> for Brightburn. Two, two, two stars. Two yes. stars then for, for, star for Brightburn, and this is a great advert for gun control. <laughs> oh, dear. True. Very true. Now, James, you must leave us. I must leave us because I wish to go home. <laughs> I must leave us. <laughs> I must, I must leave us. I, must I leave, leave us. the rest of you here. I'm going to go. Uh, I will. He's going to slide into a hot bath of HP. That's exactly what's oh. going to happen. I'm going to lather up. It's oh, going to be. Uh, it's, uh, oh, it's going to be good. It's, it's going to be good. It'll be HP so all around. Oh. All right. I will. Uh, I will see. I will see you all uh, next time. Smelling slightly tangy. <laughs> Perhaps a combination of spices, vinegar, and molasses. Oh, it's molasses. Don't mess molasses. You know, have you ever read the ingredients in a bottle of HP sauce? Well, apart from the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> You're missing oh out. <laughs> it's like Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, but smaller. Hey, you are missing out on Wheel of Time. Okay. I'm so impressed, though, that you managed to mention spice, and he didn't mention the spice melange from the Planet <laughs> June. So... Call Don't that say June within a 50-yard radius of James. He'll be back in a second. Banging on relentlessly about June. All right, so that's one disappointing horror movie out of the way. Um, let's leave the other one to right near the end. Instead, let's talk about Toy Story 4. Instead, now I have Hooray. not seen Toy Story 4 yet. I have. I've managed to miss every single screening oh. because I am a strange, sad little man. 
And I have you my have, own pity. <laughs> you have my pity too. Thanks, Helen. Yeah, so this is, um, we, we pick up a little bit, about a year or so, I think, after Andy gave all his old toys to Bonnie. Woody, Tom Hanks' character, obviously, is kind of struggling to adapt to his new position because he's no longer kind of the toy. He's no longer chief toy. He kind of is, you know, still addressed with respect by his fellow toys, but he's not played with as much. He's often left in the cupboard with her veteran toys who, amusingly, are all voiced by comedians in their 80s and 90s, Betty White, people like that, which I enjoyed. Uh, He sees a chance to help one day. She's very, very nervous about going to kindergarten and he goes with her, uh, sneaks into her bag and goes with her. And uh, there she's on her own and she's been kind of left by the other kids and is, again, really, really miserable. And he throws some uh, art supplies at her to try and distract her and help her. And she doesn't, nobody sees him. It's okay. He's still a toy. It's all cool. But anyway, out of this stuff, she makes Forky, who's Tony Hale's character. Forky is now a toy and has sentience, but doesn't want it and believes himself to be trash. There's a metaphor there. And uh, and he and Woody basically has to keep him alive, as it were, and with Bonnie so that, you know, he, she will be comforted by his presence because she's the only he's the only thing that's gotten her through her first day at kindergarten. And she she needs him is the idea. So that's the setup and then of course Forky gets lost on a road trip no Woody has to go and help him or a prick and then <laughs> and well, the irony is he's a spork he's not even a fork you know anyway um, and on the way to try and find Forky uh-huh. he meets up again with Bo Peep is it a race against Tyne <laughs> yes okay where's Buzz Lightyear Buzz Lightyear is kind of doing very little I'll be honest. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, there, he has a little. He has a little um, subplot in this film, but it is very much a subplot, and he is separated from Woody for about ninety percent of the running time. Is he arrested for cocaine possession at any point in this movie? No, and that will never happen. Thank goodness for it. Um, but no, this is a weird film because it's about. It's less about Woody and Buzz, which all of the others have been. It's more about Woody and Bo Peep, and we see what happened to her years ago and how she was given away and how that happened. And it kind of feels like they're trying to make us invest in this relationship without really necessarily having entirely earned it a little bit through all the other films. She was obviously in the first two, but again, mm-hmm, it was a very small mm-hmm. role. There was a relationship there with Woody, but it wasn't developed. Wasn't she? I, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I'll fess up. I've only seen the Toy Story films a couple of times. Oh, my God. Uh, I've only seen two and three once each. And I've seen, obviously, I, I, you know, they're very good films. And Toy Story is a, is, a, is a classic and hugely influential and important, of course. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that loads. But of course. But Toy Story 2, isn't she the subject of the song When She Loved Me? No, that's Jessie. That's Jessie. Yeah. Jessie's the... Buzz's girlfriend, as it were. Buzz's girlfriend. Mm. Now, she's the... Cowboy girl. Cowgirl. Cowboy Bo Peep girl. Is cow, a, boy, Bo is a Bo Peep. Labels. Yeah. Bo Peep is... Bo is a Bo Peep. Woody's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. Voiced by Annie Potts. Annie Potts. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So that's kind of the setup. So uh, at one point, he ends up in this antique store where he meets um, Christina Hendricks, uh, Gabby Gabby, who's kind of the villain of the piece to an extent. Maybe also not. I don't know. Um, She has ventriloquist dummy henchmen, which is a very creepy addition. Um, But more importantly, also in the store is Duke Kaboom, Canada's best stunt toy. Wait a second. Yeah. Played by... Keanu Reeves! Oh my God. We're bringing it full circle, man. It's all full circle. Anyway, so lots of, you know, great voice stuff in this. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele turn up as as prizes on a sort of carnival stand. They're great. There's lots of wonderful moments in this. It it didn't hit me quite as hard as the other Toy Stories. Um, I would consider all three of the others five-star 
masterpieces. Uh, I would agree with Dan's review of this one, which put it puts it at a, at a four. Like it's still ridiculously good. It's still better than ninety nine percent of other animation out there, but it is not quite as good as the other Toy Stories for me. All right, okay. Well, I'm going to check it out this weekend. I'll let you know whether you were correct. Uh, thanks so much. Good. Okay, so four stars then for Toy Story four. And then let's finish off this week with Child's Play. All right, so this is a remake of the 1988 film, directed, of course, by Tom Holland. And Tom Holland? Yeah, Tom Holland. Well, I didn't like, even think he was born then. I know. It's incre- oh, wait, no, 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 not that, that Tom Holland. So this is the remake of the 1988 film, directed by Tom Holland. Wait, the was famous... he not a historian? Yeah, right? the, no, the historian. no, the, the other one. This is a remake of the 1988 film, directed by Tom Holland. The footballer. No. Wait. Is it the director of Fright Night? It's the director of Fright hey! Night. So there we go. So this remake of the 1988 film, directed by Tom Holland, the director of Fright Night, and you know what it is. It has Chucky in it, right? Killer doll. Chucky the killer doll, who is possessed by uh, an evil serial killer, played in the original films, of course, by Brad Dourif, and went on to have varying degrees of success, I would say. It spawned six sequels uh, with Don Mancini, mainly the creator of the the creator of Chucky at the helm of the franchise, and Brad Dourif hanging on as well as the voice of Chucky. And now this is a remake, and neither Mancini nor Dourif are involved because they're still off doing their own thing, and this has become quite the bone of contention. Apparently there's a hashtag saying, hashtag not my Chucky, which seems oh, fair, yeah. to be honest. So this is very much a remake of the first movie, and it updates... Chucky for the modern generation so now instead of being possessed by a serial killer who uses the power of voodoo to uh, to possess the um, the doll this is now just a robot doll that is malfunctioning oh. which is way less interesting yeah it is a bit I mean there's there's a kind of thread that they try to develop then they forget about then they remember it at the end and then they forget about it at the end as well where he can connect to other they're products made by the same company and he can connect to the cloud and so he can learn stuff and you know he can hook up to that microwave or he can turn up the heating or he can turn off your TV and he can do all sorts of stuff Oh, but they kind of forget about it and it's not really important he can connect to other dolls as well possibly but it's all rather unimaginative ultimately right and the first half of this movie is quite interesting because it recasts the story, kind of leans into the absurdity of the premise, he said, quoting his own review. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you have, it's, it's a very dark, mordant comedy with Aubrey Plaza, who, you know, Great. we love Aubrey yeah, Plaza, as the single mother of Andy, Andy Barkley. Uh, the same characters from the Hang original on. movie. So it's an Andy... Who has a toy. Who has a toy yeah. in the same week as Toy Story 4. I mean, and that's this toy be... comes to life. Okay, and that's funny. And that, that's that's funny right there, right? Surely. I mean, was Toy Story riffing on Child's Play? I mean, maybe, but also this is definitely riffing then on Toy Story, maybe? But it's the same character names from the first movie, so that's what I'm saying here. Was Toy okay. Story riffing on Child's Play? Whoa. Anyway, anyway. A, if it is intentional, and I don't think it was, because I think they're just using the names from the first movie, then that's Brilliant. about as witty as it gets. Yeah, okay. The first, the first half hour or so is quite interesting because Aubrey Plaza is playing it quite off-kilter and she's a young single mother and, you know, she has some interesting deadpan line readings as you wouldn't expect because it's Aubrey Plaza. But the film does a couple of things which I thought kind of crippled it in the end. One is that everybody's unlikable. Oh, like, that's not good. really unlikable. They've aged Andy up in this movie. He was quite a young kid in the first one. And that allowed you to root for him and he didn't really have a character initially. But this kid's a bit of an unlikable douchebag who doesn't really fit in with anybody. 
and uh, is really rude to Chucky like constantly from the minute that he turns Chucky on and Chucky's oh, yeah. trying to bond with him going you're my best friend he's like shut up Chucky I hate you and all that sort of stuff uh, so that's a bit weird you can't really root for anybody with the exception possibly in fact not possibly I will say with the exception of Brian Tyree Henry who plays a local cop who lives down the corridor from them and that's the Chris Sarandon role from the first movie but everything's been changed Okay. And spun on its head a little bit. Well, he's generally uh, he's, reliable. He's really good, but they don't. They, again, the movie doesn't give him enough to do. But everyone else is on is is unlikable. So it's very hard to to find a a focal point to find someone to root for. The second thing is the update. The update of Chucky to a robot essentially means that you have a bad guy whose Achilles heel is you take the batteries out. And nobody does that. Nobody like says, oh, let's let the charge go down. I mean, the robot starts malfunctioning pretty much right away, starts developing and displaying psychotic behavior pretty much from the off because it's had its violence inhibitors turned off. Now, you might even ask why this company have built <laughs> these cute, well, allegedly cute looking mm. dolls. I mean, they look the doll looks cheap and terrible as mm. well, which may be part of the joke, but I've also got a feeling they just didn't have the budget to make it look good. That's my feeling. But uh, why would you have a kid's plaything that has violence inhibitors? Just don't give it the capacity to be violent, yeah. surely. I mean, did we learn nothing from Isaac Asimov's ro- rules of robotics? This is what I was yelling at the screen. I know. I know you are. Yeah. But anyway, there's a couple of things, there's a couple of scenes that might work well for gore hounds, but the gore in this isn't anywhere near as inventive as it is in Brightburn, where there are a couple of really notable standout deaths. But the screening I went to of Child's Play the other night, I managed somehow to sit beside what I can only describe as an unsub in a future episode of Criminal Minds, R.I.P. Because every time there was a kill, he would just go, huh, nice. Oh. Huh, nice. And I was just like, oh God, I'm sitting beside Mike Killer. So that was, <laughs> I was on edge for the rest of the movie. So maybe Mike that's why Killer. Mike, yes, Mike, Mike Killer. His name, yes, that's his name. His name was Mike Hiller. <laughs> <laughs> he gets, he gets out a lot. People give him creepy looks and avoid him at parties. Yeah, and, you know, so unfortunate. <laughs> yes, yeah, so unfortunate. And um, I believe he's uh, his good friend Michael Hunt is also <laughs> is also uh, you know victim of the same mm. thing. But anyway, Hiller, Hiller and Hunt <laughs> and his pet dog Mike Hat. <laughs> anyway, I didn't like this film very much because it's full of really stupid people doing really really stupid things, and you can almost see them run out of budget halfway through, which is really. Oh. It's just, <laughs> Kind of heartbreaking in a way. There's, yeah. there's like a, meant to be a big launch of a doll towards the end of the movie, like in this supermarket set that they've clearly set up and they want it to be Apple Store level stuff. And they've got like 30 disinterested extras standing at the back of the supermarket behind a red velvet rope trying to give us some atmosphere. Yay, count down to the launch of this thing. And it's just, it's so, so bad. Oh. Which is a bit of a shame because uh, there, there are yeah. things I did enjoy about it. But ultimately, I gave this two of your Empire stars. Two stars. So what we're saying is this week you should go and see Toy Story 4. You should go see Toy Story 4 or, you know, you could you could uh, go see Endgame again and just mm. kind of get it in your mind. In your head. Mm. And then you can make a direct comparison <laughs> next week to the enhanced version, shall we say? An enhanced? We have an enhanced in the field. We do have an enhanced in the field. Yeah, it is. So, well, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun. We'll be joined by... Don't look at me. I've actually remembered this week. This is good. The star of yesterday, Himesh Patel. Hey! Very exciting. And the director of In Fabric, 
Peter Strickland. Cool. See? We're broad church here now. You can remember stuff. Look yeah. at that. We've got Beatles and, and killer dresses. It's all happening. It's all happening. Anyway, until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it's goodbye from James Dyer. It's the best thing you said in weeks. <laughs> Silence is golden. It is goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to recast Keanu Reeves in every single Carry On movie. I'm seeing him as kind of Sid James figure. <laughs> a charismatic rogue with an eye for the ladies and a hell of a cackle. He'd like be- a kind of... <laughs> kind of thing. Do you not see him more in the Carry On Up the Kyber as the sort of the young, handsome, you know, officer type? Jim Dale? Yeah. Okay, why not? Sure. It might not be Jim Dale. It might be Roy Castle. It's, it's Roy, Roy Castle. Castle. Roy Castle. Do I see Keanu Reeves as Roy Castle? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves record breakers. Helen and I are off to Dragon's Den. <laughs> is that how you pitch TV shows? I'm sure. Th- I'm sure it is. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next week. Toodaloo. Bye, dudes. Bye, dudes. 